Hello, this is John Beasley welcoming you to our sixth Harmony UK podcast, Rewind, looking back to better times in the barbershop world. Well, Rewind took a break last week while I worked on a podcast full of new news, talking to hard-working singers and administrators about the many things happening online at last week's Region 31 convention, and also the Babs Live extravaganza, which takes place on Saturday, May the 23rd. And it made me think of how heavily we've come to rely on social media to keep us together during the coronavirus crisis. One platform in particular has become especially vital for group meetings and all those chorus rehearsals which are taking place up and down the land. And I did feel that it was time for a tribute through the medium of this week's slightly, well, perhaps more than slightly rubbish podcast jingle. Oh, Zoom, you are the only way. can sing together and enjoy a beer at the end of the day yes the whole wide world on zoom yeah i'm expecting fat larry and his band to take out an injunction anytime now so, as this would have been the weekend of the 46 Babs convention in Harrogate, I thought that we'd plunge into the archive and unearth a couple of interviews with two of the world's best quartets. Well, later we'll be hearing from Crossroads, but let's begin by returning to 2017 when the star guests of the British Association of Barbershop Singers were the incredible Swedish quartet Lemon Squeezy. At the time, they were ranked number two in the world, and of course, uh, they'd come to international prominence back in 2012 when they were the worldwide collegiate champions. The lineup in 2016 was rather different from today's quartet. In 2018, the baritone Matthias Larsen left the quartet to be replaced by Sam Malavi. And then in March this year, Lemon Squeezy announced the arrival of a new tenor, Pontus Ljung, following the departure of Alex Lufstedt. The quartet are famed for their energetic style and love of bringing new songs with fresh and innovative arrangements to their audiences. But first, from 2016, some introductions. I'm Victor and I sing lead. I'm Alex, I sing the tenor part. I'm Martin, I sing bass. I'm Matthias, I sing baritone. Thanks very much indeed, guys, for, uh, for, for joining us. Um, I looked on your website and it said that you, you were formed one cold winter's night in 2010, which sounds, Victor, like the, the start of a brilliant story. Right, doesn't it? It's very artistically written for the website to be intriguing. Um, but it, it really was just uh, the four newest members of Zero Eight getting tipped off from Rasmus to form a quartet. And so we, the, we uh, decided to have a rehearsal at Alex's dad's home house. Uh, was it February? No, yeah. January? No, it's not a lie. It's, it's, the, there is truth to that, <laughs> to that text for sure. And it was a February night. It was, dark. it was dark and cold. And sn- yeah, it was snowy. <laughs> I have pictures. I have evidence. And we sang "Genie" with a light brown hair. Yeah, with a light brown hair. Yes. And you knew each other though be- before this, didn't you? Yeah, uh, we've all been through the same music schools uh, in in Stockholm, 
and uh, we started out with a baritone called Jonathan, and me, Alex, and him, we were going the same year, and uh, Martin was just one year below us, so we had we had good connections of who the other were, and me, Alex, and Martin had also been singing in, in a quartet. I was going to ask you about the choir scene in Sweden, because we see, uh, I think Alan Goldsmith, who was uh, comparing last night, mentioned that the one European country you always associate with really top barbershop choruses and quartets is Sweden. Why, why is that? What, what is it about Sweden that produces such a wealth of good choral music? I think this one school, really, that has produced the most, I suppose, successful barbershop, and I think that comes from starting at a young age, you join that school when you're 10 years old and then you sing an hour a day in a choral situation every day for like almost 10 years if you continue to the next school, the high school, which we all did. And it's just about, I think, learning to sing more with your ears than your mouth, I suppose, and your <laughs> your voice. Because, I don't know, it feels like a lot of quartets and choruses there is some kind of, without trying to sound like bashing, but there's some ego involved. And we tend, to, I suppose in Sweden, we're maybe singing a bit more with our ears. And that has proven maybe good. <laughs> Listening to other people then, I guess, is what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. We have a strong choir tradition in Sweden. So we have a lot of choirs going on, especially in, in Stockholm. We've had that in us from a very early age and uh, singing a cappella since the age of 10 uh, you need to develop that that hearing that uh, that ear a cappella i can understand and every country has its own form of a cappella but but why barbershop what what is it about the barbershop that uh, that, that appeal to you because it, it i mean as as with the uk it's not naturally our culture uh, it's not naturally yours either um so so what what got you into it uh, <laughs> I actually saw a Simpsons episode when I was like 11 or 12 years old and Homer Simpson in that episode sings Barbershop with, with three other guys that did it for me this is the baby on board episode <laughs> exactly the B-sharps yeah. I think we've all seen that yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's wonderful uh, so that, that was a start for me actually just the close harmony and also like at that point in our lives well I suppose when we really started singing which was in, in, in high school <clears throat> yeah uh, what we sang then was a lot, like what was missing for me was perfection, like perfecting a song to the point of like, I can't hear any mistakes, sort of. Of course, now we know that there are mistakes there anyway, but compared to what we did then in school, then we would essentially perform a piece of music that we'd only learned earlier that same month. And we know as barbershoppers that that rarely happens there are months and months and months and sometimes years of preparation for this one performance and it was the thrill of that kind of perfection in contrast to what we had previously done that was just more sloppy yeah yeah, yeah yeah and getting into the quartet singing yeah. that you have to own your own part it's all on you you can't fail here because then the whole section is gone and it's just three parts singing so what then is your attitude now to preparation and to rehearsal, Victor? In barbershop, you mean? Indeed. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> uh, it's a good word, indeed, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I use it a lot, even in Swedish. Um, What's the Swedish for indeed? 
Indeed. <laughs> That's why it's such a good word. It's not really, but it's, yeah. No, but I, I agree with, with the earlier statement here uh, about the perfection and how you rehearse. And I really fell in love with the aspect of knowing your, your music when you got to the rehearsal so you can actually just rehearse and perform music at the rehearsal. I really enjoy that. And nowadays it has come to my attention and been more important about the performing and feeling the music and connecting with it and uh, to me that is very fulfilling both emotionally and like creatively to to connect with the music and deliver a performance or a message or a, a song in a, in a sense and you were saying in the masterclass a little earlier on that you, you like to perform your own arrangements of songs or songs that have been specially arranged for you because uh, you were you were a little perhaps um critical of people who take standard arrangements and go and perform them time and time again well yeah frankly it's so much more to a song that means something to you and i think that that shows and as barbershoppers having been to conventions a decent amount of times i tend to just honestly get tired of the songs because i know exactly what's going to happen and sometimes a group and we've done this as well like you take a song but at least try to do something new to it. Yes. That's the least I think we can expect of our fellow singers as performers. Because if you're just going to do it, at least this is what I think, like, if you're going to do it, then do it your way and apply the strengths that your group has and not try to do something that another group did. Just because they were successful doing it doesn't mean that you are. If that makes sense. <laughs> I th- I, it makes a lot of sense to me, yes. Point is then to, 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 to a particular song then, that, where you think you have brought something particularly new to that, that song. Um, I, I, guess that, <laughs> I guess that would be Pass Me the Jazz. <laughs> I want you now. Hungry, who me? Yeah, why not? I could go for something nice. Maybe you like this cozy place. I know just around the corner. Sure, sounds good. I prefer something special with a spice. Count me in, guys. I really gotta get a bite right away. Wait up, I'll join you. I can feel everyone's ready for a real meal. I think I wanna have an introduction for a starter. An appetizer, maybe, before the beat is getting hotter. Let's spice it up, let's amplify it. I did come for peace and quiet, heat it up, it's time to fry it. Put me on a jazzy diet. I know you're gonna love it. To party here is such a pleasure. Enjoy dinner, same sinner. Get a full measure. This night is gonna be a lot of fun. What a dirty place, what a dozen dime. Turn the table is set for one, a two, a four. Let's take five. Pass me the jazz, homemade and hot. I wanna get in the groove to the bottom of the beat, so keep it cooking and some pure feet. Pass me the jazz, all that you got. Put temptation in my way with a bottle of blues and a flavor of fun. Dig, dig, dig in and dig it. Uh, that was uh, really new to the pop shop world, uh, which we got penalized for uh, the, the first year <laughs> yeah that was it uh, was awesome actually uh, and we uh, we took it back the year after and it was m- more successful then yeah. so yeah I think it was the best scoring song of, of last year's competition at least singing 
I think. But I, that's just like when we we were obviously like, oh shit, we got penalized. But now looking back, I'm just happy, man. We we try to change something. I think we got a reaction yeah. out of it. Is that more important to you, getting a reaction than getting the points? <laughs> well, you have to in say yes, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's becoming more and more important to me, at least, to to be us and to do our thing. And uh, if that is helping to develop a genre that we love and to to help inspire, which. Uh, so far, up to this point, it, it, it seemed to have been inspiring people and changing stuff. Then I prefer that in front of the points. Absolutely. Yeah, because the thing was that people seemed to really enjoy it. So if the judges didn't feel the same way scoring it with their numbers, that was fine because the crowd liked it and we loved it. We loved yeah. singing Pass Me the Jazz. So that was a victory. They liked it. The international judges are, are, are pretty forgiving, aren't they, of your past indiscretions? Because last year, you took silver. Yeah. I mean, that thing was just, on, I think, warming the judges up, really. And us continuing to, like, not giving in to being scared about a, a penalty, for instance. And I think that taught us to just, like, keep doing what we're doing. Because that obviously is what the crowd appreciated us doing. So let's do that then. Yeah. They're never wrong. And if it's a thrilling performance, then we're going to do that for sure. And that apparently led to a silver. So does that mean that in 2017 you'll be back for the gold? Who knows? Who knows? This, not 17. Not 17. No, because we're not competing this year. Uh, we're standing out this year. Why is that? Uh, you know, life gets in the way. Life, uh, yeah, we have competed a lot the last year, so we we uh, we needed to breathe, I guess. So once again, you're chilling. Yeah, we are chilling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's more important to to stay <laughs> sane. <laughs> no, but uh, as like throwing things around and do things differently will develop other sides and other qualities in a group and. If anything, it's more important for us to develop as a group than to get a medal. I'm happy where we're, with where we're at, yeah. absolutely. And if that means taking a year out, sure. And as well, it's a huge bonus not having to go back to Vegas because I don't fancy the place. <laughs> uh, and I think it's horrible to sing there because it's just dry and loud. Yeah. That's that, sort of. Well, a lot of people, I'm sure, in Vegas will be very disappointed that you're, you're not going to be there this year. But I know a lot of people who follow you will also be delighted to hear that you are still developing as a, as a quartet and have new things on the go. Can you tell us about any of those? Yeah, we, we're trying to broaden a little bit what we sing and try to uh, sing some, some new stuff that is not only barbershop. And uh, this year we're going to try to work on a new CD and we're going to try to uh, go about that in a little new way that we haven't tried earlier so yeah it's it's kind of i think also cliffhanger yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, i i think also for us it's so important being on the barbershop stage because it's fun and because we're giving the audience something and if we don't feel inspired and if we don't feel it's fun that's going to show and it's not going to be our thing so we need a, a year off to get that back yeah. the creative it's, juices it's, flowing it's just so much work really and it becomes a pattern where eventually you, you don't know what you're doing. You're just doing it because you've done the same thing the previous years. And maybe you just need a pause and, and look at it in a different light. 
well, we'll look forward to seeing you when you've, you've come back and when you've got that CD out and, uh, and uh, maybe a whole, a whole new uh, uh, Lemon Squeezy. The name, by the way, the final thing, it reminds me of the, the, the phrase easy peasy lemon squeezy. Yeah. Is, that, is that where it came from? It is, right? With, with, with irony, because, of course, what you do isn't easy at all. <laughs> yeah, a lot of irony. No, no, exactly. This money was very early on. No, like a few months later, this wasn't easy at all, man. Well, it's been great talking to you. Thanks very much indeed to, uh, to, to, to Victor, Alex, uh, Martin and Matthias. Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Lemon Squeezy, taking Happy Together, the Turtles' anthem from the age of peace, love and flower power, and making it really swing at Babs 2017. And there's a star-studded lineup for Babs Live, the virtual and interactive convention lockdown show which is being broadcast on YouTube this Saturday, May the 23rd. In edition 24 of the podcast last week, we heard from Chris Langworthy and James Gower-Smith, the Barry and Lead from Tagline, who will be presenting the show, and also from the quartet bass, Rob Foote, who will be producing it. Well, Babs have unveiled the full lineup since then. It's extremely exciting with two stellar US quartets, Instant Classic and Forefront, headlining the show. Uh, you can also experience a whole cavalcade of barbershop talent from across the UK, including Sound Hypothesis, a Hallmark of Harmony, A Kind of Magic, The Cottontown Chorus, Amisham Acapella, One Foot in the Stave, and many, many more top class and thoroughly entertaining choruses and quartets. There is a complete lineup on the Babs website or you can get there by following their social media too. Well, one chorus on the show that I haven't mentioned so far are the White Rosettes. Well, last year at Labs, they were silver medalists beaten in a thrilling contest and by the narrowest of margins by Amersham a cappella. Well, back in 2016, the White Rosettes were the reigning Labs gold medalists and they were invited to appear on the Babs Saturday night show. Well, during the convention, their director, Sally McLean, found time to talk to me for the podcast. And I began by asking her about their remarkable run of success over the years. The White Rosettes have been extraordinarily 
successful for an extraordinary length of time. Was it 15 times you won the... 15 national championships over our 30 years, and I guess that's because the other 15 years you're not allowed to compete. So, yeah, 15 national championships, two European championships, unprecedented, being in the A-level consistent, low A-level consistently for about six years. Amazing, I, I, you know can keep me awake at night how amazing that is what is the secret because if you could bottle it i suspect there'd be a you, you, choruses be queuing around the block for it uh, they they would i think the choruses are queuing around the block for it so what is it i think a dedication and commitment to being your very best on a personal level so no leaning no depending on anybody else it's about being the champion on an individual level creates this huge championship ensemble and culture so people have got to think of themselves as champions as well as their chorus as champions. Absolutely. I think it's been the key that on an individual level you have to believe and have faith in yourself that you are that level and, and that you can't have singers on the rise and go, oh, well, I can't do that as well as her next door. And so you value everybody's talents, whatever they are, to make them feel the champion they are. So you, you create a psychological culture that breeds success and I think that has been instrumental for the White Rosettes for a number of years and I know some of the White Rosettes are always helping me along the way and we have our former chair Caroline Green forwarded me a document that David Brailsford had written for the Sky Cycling team about how he developed this winning team of men to win the cycling championships and and I read some of it and I just thought yeah absolutely that's what we do but just in a different genre. I would imagine that this particular year as champions is a special one for you because, of course, it's, it's Lab's 40th anniversary. It is Lab's 40th anniversary. So we'll, we'll go to convention retiring, in inverted commas, uh, as champions and handing over to a new champion again at the end of the year. And it's been a fabulous year. We've had a great time. We've travelled a lot. We're here this weekend and we'll be getting ready to retire at convention. Looking forward to singing for everybody. And you'll be taking the Beacon of Harmony with you, I think. We will, yeah. We're honoured to be the last people to receive it so that we then bring the Beacon of Harmony with us as retiring champions. That's a great honour. Is there one highlight from the year that you could pick out? Oh my, it's not finished yet. 
the year, year so oh, far. Okay, the year so far. Being a champion, you know what? It is that broad. I wake up every day thinking, we did it again. It's never, ever expected. They never, ever get complacent. We never rest on our laurels. And I think that's also part of the winning formula. We never get sick of wanting to do it better than we did last time. And I think that's what drives us and keeps us successful. So, you know, I'm I'm still amazed that it continues to happen. One of the things that surprises me a a little, although you've had these uh, these accolades and you've won this championship 15 times, you cannot say definitively that you are the best women's barbershop chorus in Britain. The, The white rosettes can't say that in the same way that Cotton Town Chorus can at the moment uh, for men's barbershop, simply because there is another organisation, the Sweet Adeline's Quartet of Nations. Would you like to take on their champions, uh, Fourth Valley Chorus, head-to-head in competition? Oh, I think it would be hugely interesting to see how that would pan out, but Sweet Adeline's have a different judging category to ours, uh, and I'm not sure whether the white rosettes sound. I'm not sure how that would be received in the Sweet Adeline genre. So, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, we've competed against Sweet Adeline choruses before in European and beaten them, which is hugely rewarding. Oh, name we, names. Uh, no, 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 <laughs> integrity. It's Sunday morning, but I keep my integrity intact. No, yeah, people can look on the website, but, yeah, we've, we've kind of worked alongside other Sweet Adeline choruses in the European contest. That gave us an opportunity to be on the same stage as other associations who are female, and we did very well with that and came away with our second European championship. Is it healthy for Women's Barbershop to have two organisations. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Sweet Adeline is so much bigger, so much bigger than Labs. Uh, and that kind of obviously is, is then international. So lots of people get to sample, you know, our wares, which is, you know, encouraging and preserving barbershop singing. So I, I think it's great to have as many associations as possible. I love the way we're now trying to work together more. We have the barbershop in Harmony here, where Sweet Adeline's Labs and Babs, and the, a lot of the European kind of um, associations are working together to promote what we have in Europe. So I, I yeah, I think it's great that we have many associations. Of course, you're very widely known beyond the barbershop world, not least because, of course, about two and a half million people saw you on television with Gareth <laughs> Malone in his last series, The Naked Choir. They what, certainly did. What, what was it like to work with him? It was fabulous. Fabulous. And do you know what? He's exactly as he is. That's how he is. He was like that at breakfast. He was like that at lunchtime. He was like that when he was being recorded. He was like that when he was uh, uh, giving us some directive about the programme and, and its pre-recorded state. And, and he was like that just before we, we retired and had drinks in the bar. So Gareth Malone is, is as he is. Uh, he's kind of an ageless star, isn't he? And uh, yeah, he's very charming and very funny. He also uses the word traditional nearly every time when he talks about barbershop. And, of course, he was asking people to do all sorts of beatboxing and very modern a cappella techniques. Did the two choruses who entered that competition, the two barbershop choruses, ever have much of a chance? On reflection now, having uh, done the first series, I think it would have been very difficult for a standard traditional barbershop group to have been successful in that. I was acutely aware of how there were musicians in the other groups who would, in a very short period of time, be successful in the remit that was given to them at the end of each episode. And that often, at the end of each episode, they were given a week with a piece of music chosen by Gareth Malone that they didn't know about, that they had to have arranged in their style and present the following week to us as the jurors. And I know that often barbershop, it takes much longer even just to arrange a simplest song. I think if we'd have known that in advance, if we'd have had 
a chorus who had on standby arrangers available where it's like phone a friend. OK, tonight they've said we have to get together simply the best, arrange it, get it to us for tomorrow. I think we'd have a better chance of that. But I think we were a little unprepared because we're very prescriptive, appropriately so, because that keeps the barbershop style pure. But I think that just didn't allow for any flexibility in that particular programming. Final question to you, that, that purity of style that barbershop organisations go for, is that forever going to condemn barbershop to being a niche musical interest, sort of further and further away from the mainstream? I don't think niche is condemning. I actually think niche is where it's at. It's like Vogue or um, cult. I'll say that lightly, but I don't think there's anything wrong with being a niche. And I think you'll always find people who are interested in something that's very particular, specific or peculiar. And I like the uniqueness of the barbershop sound. It's what got me here in 1982 and I've been here ever since. And it's the beauty of the sound of the barbershop style that keeps people singing it. And I would hate for us to ever drift away permanently from that. I think there is always space for uh, evolution in the way that we sing. And I think that is demonstrated by the arrangements that we begin to sing and the way that we kind of stretch the boundaries. I think that's wholly appropriate, but I think it's really important that we keep that niche going because that's what is the barbershop style. And finally, I'm just wondering about your, your next challenge because, of course, uh, having won 15 times... I think you, you, you've been MD eight times, haven't you? When uh... I have, yes. Eight gold medals as a director and seven gold medals as a singer with the White Rosettes. Doesn't there come a point where you think... There must be more to life than just winning this national championship. You know, give me another challenge. I've been there, I've done it, I've got the T-shirt. I haven't been there, I haven't done it, and I haven't got the T-shirt because every single championship is different. It's never a guarantee. It's always a huge challenge. And the challenge the White Rosetta set themselves is to be better than they were themselves before. So you can never compare and contrast or indeed try and consider beating other people because you don't know what they're doing and how good they've got. What's really important for the White Rosettes is that we maintain our standard and improve on it on a weekly basis that remains our challenge every single week and we have great great pleasure in achieving it on a weekly basis and long may you continue sally thank you very much thank you john Right, dazzling arrangement of Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho, made famous by the vocal majority, but I have to say that I particularly love the White Rosette's inspiring performance of that song. And the dazzling array of lockdown videos from our choruses just keep on coming. Uh, this week, the Abbey Bells, a labs chorus and near neighbours of the White Rosettes in Yorkshire, released a lovely online performance of the Leonard Cohen song, Hallelujah. Across the Pennines, another labs chorus, the Red Rosettes, have just had their Heroes charity fundraising song played on local radio. I mentioned the song last week, but since then, I've found a great article on their website about how it was made. Uh, you'll find the link 
on the Harmony UK podcast Facebook page. A group calling themselves the Global Chorus, they use a funky Arabas. That's the at sign used in email addresses instead of an A in global, if you see what I mean. Anyway, they have a visually striking arrangement out of the song When I Need a Friend. Hundreds of voices and, as I understand it, a strong Bristol barbershop involvement with both Nuge, Peter Nugent from Black Sheep Harmony and Mary Williams of Avon Harmony involved in the production process. And then there's a video which emerged from the swamps and bayous of deepest Surrey. Uh, actually, the swamps in Surrey have long since been uh, turned into golf courses. But that hasn't prevented Vocal Dimension from dressing up to perform Paul McCartney's The Frog's Chorus in a very, very entertaining way. Definitely worth a watch. So, to our final item from last year's Babs convention, when Crossroads were among the guest performers and educators. At a Fringe event, they were asked if they would perform Bread and Gravy. And having gone along to request an interview, I suddenly found myself holding a microphone in front of one of the world's best quartets, just as they were about to sing one of their signature songs. So, I asked if they minded, and having been given the nod, I Hit record. to be swell and my clothes all fit me well and I wear a nice ring just look at this ring on my finger well I'm as free as I can be and my honey's loving me so I just can't keep from singing Lots of bread and gravy all the time, all the time. Wearing fancy things and 
I'm just as free as a fella can be, and oh how my honey is loving me, so I just can't help but see. Oh yeah, get a breath and gravy, lots of gravy. Since I've been getting the bread and gravy all the time, all the time. Absolutely brilliant. A great privilege to see them performing that song. The members of Crossroads, who are? Brandon Guyton, baritone. Mike Slampka, lead. Jim Henry, bass. Fred Farrell, tenor. And welcome all to Babs 2019, the 45th convention that Babs has had. Um, I'm just wondering, you're on a whirlwind trip. You've just done a workshop. You did one yesterday. You're on the show tonight. Do you actually get to see very much of of what goes on here not as much as we'd like to see we were able to get in the in the house and watch some things yesterday but not enough we really do love to be a part of things and be able to watch the competitions those are always so exciting but they've kept us pretty busy here which we're fine with as well we've enjoyed every second of it but we did enjoy the real groups uh concert last night that was quite special I was going to ask you about the differences between your own quartet and a five-piece like the real group, because they... have girls. Well, that's true. That's, that's, that's one very important difference. difference. <laughs> girls and we only have one. <laughs> but they were also talking about the way that they trust one another and the way that they listen to each other on stage, and they want every performance to be different. And they listen, and if, if they make a mistake, or what, what might, some people might consider to be a mistake, they evaluate it, they see whether they can build it in next time, whether they can build on it. What do you think of that? Yeah, that works for some people, I guess. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think it's a great philosophy. I feel like we're, we kind of do the same thing. The one thing they said um, at their master class is they have a 20-minute rule that when they leave the stage, they can't say anything negative for 20 minutes. I think if we could just... 20 seconds. Our 22nd rule would be good for our quartet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's baby steps. <laughs> One of the things that did interest me, though, was you, you were talking about, you, you've all sung in, in, in top quartets uh, before, as well, or as well as Crossroads. And one of the things you said you don't often hear from quartet singers, and, and, and that was that you have to sing differently between one quartet and another, and it, it takes some getting used to. Brandon, um, how was that for you? Yeah, I mean, it's a very different, all the voices are different. You know, every quartet has different parts and pieces. And uh, I've been singing with my brother my whole life. So when we came into Four Voices, we were part of a collegiate group. 
And uh, when we met those guys, we were singing in a particular way there. So not only with my brother, but with the Voices of Lee Collegiate Ensemble. So you, with all of our quartets, you spend 15 years or, or so, 10 years singing in a particular way in a style. And all of a sudden, this is different voices, a whole different thing. So you just have to relearn how to fit these pieces together. So it was a process. And when you, you learn to sing together, Mike, how do you do that? How do you, you fit your voices together? Well, actually, it didn't really fit together at the beginning very well. And so we had a, a coaching session with actually, she's a sweet Adeline named Jean Barford and really helped us to find our kind of matching resonance sound. And a lot of the stuff that we were talking about yesterday in our master class and then today, even with some of the coaching that we did. But it really starts with that making sure that we're matching our resonance first and then everything else kind of goes from there vowels and you know diction and all those things together but it starts with the amount of space that we use i guess and this might confuse some people because jim you were saying that one of the words you you really don't like when it comes to choirs or quartets or anything is blending what is the difference between matching and blending well it's it's a tricky thing to talk about i think in some some ways it's a, just a semantical difference but i think when singers try to blend with each other what they immediately do, and I've tested this out with many different kinds of choirs, they immediately, each singer loses all the color and personality from their voice because they're trying to sound like the person that they're standing next to. I think our philosophy, and, and I feel like it's been borne out pretty well, is we all have unique colors, and it's that that's our strength. Our strength is what the colors that we have together. So if we all sing with our full colors then and then listen to each other, we're singing together, we're balancing and doing all of those things, but not at the expense of the thing that makes us uniquely us as individual singers. Now, in order for me to match or be unified with Mike, I might have to bring out a certain color a little of my voice a little louder than I would bring out other colors, but I feel like as I sing, at least I try, to have all of my colors present, but some might be a little bit more heightened in order to find a timbre that'll sort of go with the colors of Mike's voice. But blending is so subtractive, and adding colors and listening is so additive. I was about to say addictive. It's, it's, addic- <laughs> it's addictive and additive. Well, that, that's good to know. The barbershop in general, I think, is pretty addictive for a lot it of is. people. I mean, I, I'm just wondering whether this is equally true for all the parts. I mean... Fred, you sing tenor, and in a lot of quartets around here, you will hear people complaining that it's the tenor that stands out most. It's the tenor that, that, that is able to integrate least well into the chorus, uh, into the quartet. Is there any justification for that kind of suggestion? None whatsoever. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, it was a huge, for me personally, this was, it was as big of a, it probably wasn't as noticeable maybe, the developing blend between Jim and Mike, but it was a huge, huge leap for me when I started singing with these guys. I, I sing tenor totally differently than I did in my first quartet as well. And it it, was, it, well, in what way? Well, I, I, I guess the best way to describe it is I was much more of, of a traditional falsetto with more of a darker tone, I guess. You know, and I really had to work hard to. And I still do. I still work hard all the time at doing this. But my struggle has been getting that that sound to be bright and forward, you know, and and brilliant as, as brilliant as possible. But again, 
with that ring and with that with that space to match these guys but it, it was a lot of effort and i you know frankly because these guys when we started these guys had all been you know singing brandon and mike had just come out of their previous quartets and while jim and the gas house gang was done had been done for a while jim was still you know active with the the ambassadors and you know teaching music every day so still pretty vocally active i hadn't been i was out of barbershop for a while and i was doing a lot of work and to get back to you know where I needed to be vocally to hang with these guys and then to totally change the way that I had to sing to match with them was uh boy it was it took a while and I was you know there were times when I wasn't sure I could could do it anymore frankly but um uh yeah it took a lot of work but I think again for the benefit of the people that are listening I we didn't we just finished a coaching session with the quartet here at the the Babs convention one foot in the stave yeah yeah and the big thing that I think I came away with was be that follower, be that that ensemble singer that Mike can trust, so we can get all of Mike. And and you know, once I kind of figured out where my placement needed to be within this group, you know, then it's just a matter of you know making sure I'm somebody Mike can trust. Well, great, great morning, your first day in heaven when you stroll down the golden avenue. One of the things that, that stands out about Crossroads to my mind is the number of gospel-inspired songs you do. Think, think of things like The Old Rugged Cross, There Must Be a City, Via Dolorosa, which is a, a, a heartbreakingly emotional song about Jesus' uh, trip towards Calvary and crucifixion. In this country, we rarely touch those songs. If you look at the quartets and choruses, do you think we're missing a trick? I don't know if you're missing a trick. I think that, you know, you have to sing what you can put your heart into and what really moves you and what, you know, what's a part of you. And for us, that is a big part of our lives individually and as a quartet. I mean, we we feel very spiritually bound to do that, and I, we, we feel very strongly that the Lord brought us together, and so uh, I think it behooves us to, to sing praise because we feel it. I don't think that people should do it if they're not feeling that necessarily, but uh, for us it's just very natural because it's an extension of who we are as people. Is it something that, that helped to bring you together as a quartet? Uh, absolutely, yeah. It's one of the, the many things that kind of connects us, but... Uh maybe the most important kind of thread not only with the four of us but by extension our wives and families just knowing that we're all christian men and christian families and that kind of helps our whole crossroads family together and and it certainly had a a big effect on on us getting together Da, 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 and he da, bore da, with every 
suffering. Love. Like a lamb came the Messiah, Christ the King. Oh, but he, he chose to walk that road out of his love, his love for, you. for you and me. I don't think we think of it in terms of like repertoire, like we need a religious song here. We've never thought of it that way. It's just this is a song that moves us and we want to sing it, a song that connects to us and speaks with us. And that's, I think for all of our repertoire, it's been that way. And that's probably why we do so much religious music, because as Jim said, it is who we are. It's how we, I think all of us define ourselves as Christian men before pretty much anything else. And then family, husbands, fathers, all those things. So that's definitely been part of what we wanted to express as just to express our, our thanks for being together in this music that's meant so much to us. Is there any concern that it might be becoming more controversial? I mean, there, there was a, a, a song that everybody in Harmony, the chorus, were, were going to sing at this year's um, International, and they changed it because some people objected to it. Well, I think that, you know, I think that it, again, I think it has its place. I, for us, there's no controversy, <laughs> right? So among among the four of us, there's no controversy. So we're just going to sing. And if, you know, uh, people hire us to be on their program knowing that there there probably will be some of those songs on there. So uh, I don't think that we apologize for it or back away from it. But I think that it is important to be sensitive to other people's, you know, beliefs and and uh, I don't think that we're insensitive to that. I just feel like we, as Brandon said, we just have to sing the songs that, that we can relate to. That's really what it is for us. Well, and one, just one thing I would say is just I think personally we feel like the message of Jesus in the Bible is one of inclusion and love. And so at the end of the day, we, we feel like that it, it is about accepting people and loving people where they are. As We're all flawed, broken people, and Jesus loves us where we are with all of our our brokenness so that's how we want to extend that to other people as well so we hope what we do doesn't alienate we know that there may be people that feel that way but it's never out of judgment it's always out of just love of where people are because that's what christ gave to us that's how we feel about it yeah another thing too that i think our approach to it is that we're all very aware of how blessed and fortunate we are to be doing what we're doing to be doing have each other in our, in, in our lives and have this wonderful gift of music in the form of this quartet. And we're very thankful to God for giving us this gift. And we feel that part of what we can do is give thanks to him by singing the words that, you know, that he gave us and singing about him. And, and so that's another component that we feel. It's not something, again, that we necessarily push on other people, but we are very thankful and very blessed to be in this quartet and have one another, and you know that feels like an appropriate way for us to express that thanks to who we feel is responsible.
can I just ask you about how you all came together? Because um, I think it's somewhere between 10 and 15 years, isn't it? Uh, 12? 12. 12. 12 years. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think, Jim, you, you've said before that, that this had nothing at all to do with winning a gold medal at International, although you did win in 2009. We did, but but it is true, and and I, you know, people may or may not believe it, but the honest to goodness truth is, it had nothing to do with going back to international or winning another gold medal. I think we chose to do that. We talked at the beginning about not even not going at all, and then we sort of said, well, for people to kind of know you exist and to know what kind of music you sing, you sort of have to be visible. And the only way that you can really be visible when you're starting off is to compete. So. We really did it mostly for that. I mean, we were blessed to, to win the contest, but it was not something we didn't come together to win. We were all very good friends, you know. From We met each other all in different ways, but somehow we were interconnected for f- several years before Crossroads came to exist. The guys tell me, although I don't remember, that we used to get together at internationals beforehand and sing tags, the four of us, because... Jim begged us to sing tags with him, and now he doesn't remember. It's really interesting. But, uh, but no, we really were good friends, and I think the Gas House Gang was probably the... Yeah, actually, what's interesting is that each one of the three of us filled in uh, on shows with the Gas House Gang, yeah. which was, you know, we were each kind of substitutes... Yeah, for the Gas House Gang. Mike and I had spent significant time with the Gas House Gang, and by proxy, Jim, obviously. And so that's really where we just formed a a friendship. I mean, you know, when you're in the AIC and in Barbershop, you you know each other. So we had known each other in some capacity for a really long time. But to get close together like that, it was really the Gas House Gang that was the unifying factor. And that quartet really is a a very special quartet for many people. I know because I've done this. If you walk around this building now with all these British barbershoppers and ask them about their favorite quartet of all time, there is a fair proportion of them who will say the Gas House Gang. (laughs) Well, I think the Gas House Gang, we were embraced by Babs early on before we even won. The first time we were here, I think we, we had not even meddled yet, I don't think. And we were asked back to Babs several times, to labs, to do individual shows here. And I think that for the Gas House Gang, this became really like a second home to us. We really felt so at home here and knew so many people, and we felt very embraced here. Yeah, and I'm grateful for it. I don't know why they liked us so much, but we were thrilled that they did, and we loved them right back. Well, it's not only them, is it? Because not only for the Gas House Gang, but for your your work with Ambassadors and and with Crossroads. Now, I gather this weekend that you're you're being inducted into the Barbershop Hall of Fame, Jim. Well, that was brand new news. Uh, But, yeah, that's an amazing honor. Yeah, that really is. The Gas House Gang was inducted around 2000. Five-ish or something like that, but to individually be inducted is, you know, lifelong dream. I mean, I grew up in barbershop, and I have so many heroes who are in that Hall of Fame that for my name to be on the same list as theirs is a little surreal for me. What does induction actually involve? Because it makes me think of these ancient orders that we have in Britain, you know, yeah, where the, no, uh, the, 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 the order of the garter or the, or, or, or the privy council, the people yeah, who help the queen. Yeah, there's, and There's you... a very complicated and secretive <laughs> initiation process, I'm told. To that it... <laughs> it, it involves uh, a lot of female clothing and whipped cream, but we can't go into any more detail right now. That's all we can divulge. <laughs> okay, well, well, how much longer are you over here? You're on the show tonight, aren't you? Yes, we're looking forward to that. Yep, get on that stage again. And three of us, our first experience with Babs was in Bournemouth at, at, at this very convention. Fred was here 30 years ago to the weekend. Gas House Gang's first one was in 1991. And Brandon was here... 2002. 
2002. So it's great to be back in Bournemouth at Babs because three of us have that. And now finally. Now, my first time at Bournemouth was in uh, 2019. Yes. Three days ago. Two days ago. ago. And it hasn't rained yet. Right. No, we'll we'll get into rain in Iran fairly soon, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. It's been beautiful. <laughs> great weather, yeah. yeah. Well, it's been fantastic talking to you. It's great to see you here at Babs, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the, on the show tonight. Uh, Crossroads, thank you very much indeed. Thank, thank you. Crossroads with Queen's You're My Best Friend. And who knew that beatboxing was a part of their skill set? And that wraps things up for this sixth Harmony UK podcast rewind. Uh, Babs Live starts in the UK at 8pm on Saturday, May the 23rd. Other time zones may differ. Here in Britain, we're on GMT plus one if you'd like to adjust for your time zone. For those who missed the live broadcast, I'm sure that the recording will still be available through the Babs website and on social media. Another Rewind podcast next week. Until then, from me, John Beasley. Bye-bye, and thank you for listening.